This is Gairin, manager of Al Ain, and you're listening to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello, and on this week's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the recent transfers kind of going through. I talked to a couple of managers that, um, you know, just kind of got their ideologies on the the moves that they've made and, and the justifications that they've made to bring these players in. I did talk to um, Ramon and, and Ryan last night and a couple other managers. So I, I will get that feedback to you on those transfers. Um, we also have reaction to those transfers and how I think that uh, some of those will work out. Um, I do have my preseason power rankings. We're going to do the top five of D2 in the club and the teams. Um, we're going to do the top eight of D1 and then we're gonna just break it down from there. We're gonna go into uh, to that, and then I will obviously discuss that with you guys. Um, but there is a, a flurry of a few other things that we will discuss on the podcast. Um, just want to say before we get to the podcast this week, uh, I want to thank you guys for always supporting the podcast. And we've had, like I said, we've had higher numbers already so far this season uh, than we've had ever. So this it's a good feeling. Um, but it wouldn't be possible without you guys. So I'm glad and very, very happy that you guys uh, are, are listening and, and following through with the, you know, with, with the league and trying to see what's going on. Um, obviously, we are in our third episode, and it's still tra- it's still the transfer window. We're still kind of winding into we don't know kind of unexpected territory. We don't know who else can still make a move um and uh who has the resources i'm hearing a ton of different things about player swaps so that's becoming a thing i guess uh, i think everyone's just kind of reacting to what teams are doing in real life and they're kind of seeing that anyways let's get you guys to the podcast um uh of, of course i hope you guys enjoy it for feedback send it to the san pedro fifa league instagram at san pedro fifa league and uh other than that i hope you guys enjoy this week's episode of the Sam P. Joe FIFA League podcast. All right, so I want to thank Guy Don before we start this episode um, and thank him for kind of doing his his own intro. I mean, he was super excited when uh, I told him to do one. Um, and just kind of like Evan, it was, it was, I'm just picking people that I know will, one, respond, and two, that I hope will send a decent message. Um, but I, I really was happy about that. I hope you guys... Uh, You'll hear more of those in the future. Um, and hopefully I could get some people to say some outrageous things. Anyways, where we start the podcast today is a certain player coming in. And for this club, they missed out on Leon Goretzka uh, and, really, and really pushed the envelope when talking about center mids traditionally. This club in, in Augsburg is who I'm talking about with Roman's team. They were able to not fight. No, I wouldn't even use that word fight, but they put up a pretty good, they had a battle and it was a pretty good one-on-one between him and Ryan about who can have pretty much just flex the most to get Leon Goretzka. It didn't work out for Ramon, but he waits a couple of days. He reassesses what he needs and he comes out with Fabinho. And Fabinho is one of the best center defensive mids in the world at the moment currently. You know, he plays for Liverpool. He's a guy who can kind of really do it all. He could even go out and play the wing or the fullback positions. I don't think he could play higher with a lot more success as a center mid. I know he could play center back as well. You know, he's he's probably very minimal on what he's going to give you if he plays any higher on the pitch. The thing is with Fabinho, though, is that his skills allow him to, I'm talking just in-game, they very much allow him to kind of sweep across and just be like this kind of player um, that can play in those systems uh, if, he, if, he was, you know, if he was necessary to play higher on the pitch. Um, one, one thing that I've been really impressed with him in just real life, you know, we talk about how that translates so easily um, you know, I, I just, I feel like he's one of those guys that he's always going to make the right pass. 
but he the guy can rip some shots and I, I just sorry I'm pulling up his uh I'm just pulling up his stats at the moment and I mean he's only what 25 26 years old but I think I know why Roman got him he's got an 85 rating in almost all defending stats that's the standing and sliding tackle and the defensive awareness the reason the defensive awareness statistic is very important going into next FIFA is that in watching some of the gameplay videos and having the developers talk about what players are going to make impacts and how they are in the next FIFA, guys with reactions, A, Fabinho currently has an 84, guys with high interceptions mentality and aggression, so he has 85 and 88 in, in interceptions, 85 in aggression, 84 composure, but more notably, 84 in defensive awareness. This also helps positioning, which Fabinho was not given a high rating for, but the defensive awareness will allow him to anticipate, along with reactions, allow him to anticipate passes in the passing lanes and when man marking. It'll allow him to better be there to stop plays from developing uh, before they really even get started. And these are things that managers are going to have to pay, uh, uh, pay attention to and kind of pay it forward when it comes to buying players that have these uh, abilities, whether it's, you know, a lot of us go for the ones that are attacking mentalities or skills, or, you know, a lot of us like the movement. Uh, rarely do you see people buy players for their power uh, abilities, but strength and stamina are always nice. You know what I mean? Um, and those are all the things that Fabinho is still good at. He's got, you know, he's got green and stamina, strength, reactions, long passing, short passing. He's got good ball control. I expect his shot power, right? His shot power and his, um, and maybe a little bit of his vision goes up in the next FIFA. And I actually think his rating might climb up, uh, but not just because of how good Liverpool were this last year, but because of how good Fabinho has been himself. Um, the guy doesn't really have a mistake in him. He does at times go into tackles very rashly, but he is still one of the most composed players. I think not just in Liverpool on Liverpool side, but if you look at a team like Man City, who has a lot of really good passing uh, players, Fabinho would fit in that side as well and be very, very successful. I think um, he just shows you how good he is since coming from Monaco. I think he's, he's that good. Uh, let's not forget. He was also at Real Madrid. So this guy, he's kind of been around for a little bit, um, you know, but he's he's got the ability to play for obviously one of the best clubs in the world. I talked to Roman about this deal specifically, um, and basically I asked him, I said, listen, is this, is he going to sit as the anchor? Roman said, yeah, of course. I mean, this is, that's probably his best position, um, you know, and, and, that my follow-up was essentially like, is this it? Because we kind of criticize a lot of people, uh, especially going towards the off-season and a little bit towards the end, was not not just the Pogba deal, but the fact that there was no one to sit Pogba, you know, sit behind Pogba that was good enough to keep up with him athletically. Gundogan is not the athletic center mid that he once was. He still has the device of passes. But now, now that you have that center defensive mid, who is going in front of him right who is going in front of these of this guy who's going to sit in front of the back four we know the fullbacks are going to be able to get going forward again um so so what's going to happen you know he's and i've heard i've heard a lot of stuff from people who have played friendlies against him there's the different variations he's going with i i've played friendlies against roman as well sterling is in the 10 role in a couple of those games um where Really, they do play a little bit worse, it seems like, in that role. So I don't think Roman will elect to go there. If anything, Sterling will stay out wide. You got Bellarabi on the right. You still have a Mobile who's going to score you a thousand goals. So really, I don't think it's about necessarily building this great central midfield. We we still hope they get more athletic. Um, but in talking about maybe if there's more moves in the window, Roman couldn't guarantee that he was going to do anything else. And maybe he's just trying to keep quiet and really wait for someone else to make a move and him kind of trounce it, like kind of what happened with him with Kashima. But I've really liked this move. I just wanted to talk about it because now that we're coming to different points in the window where we can highlight players based off where they go um, and really break it down, I thought this was one of the moves that 
should make, I think, other managers in the league be like, this is what happens when you spend your money wisely. This is the type of player you bring in. And kudos to Ramon, because this is the guy that could start, i say, a really modest rebuild to almost a remodeling of what is one of the best starting 11s on one of the best teams in the San Pedro FIFA League. Speaking of managers that I finally got around to talking to about some of their deals, I've been a little bit busy. I've been working a lot of overnight shifts. Um, you know, I just got up from my nap from working the overnight shift, so I'm a little starry-eyed at the moment. Um, but let's quickly talk about the new assets that have joined Kashima, and we could forget about Neymar and Hazard leaving for a second, but Christian Pulisic, Leon Goretzka, um, I think are the two that are going to keep everyone notably, you know, their name is going to ring a little bit more bells, but Julian Brandt. And this is a guy that, uh, he's very versatile, and I can see the the reason Ryan brought him in. And anytime you can switch out two players for for more, um, I think you can feel a certain way as a manager about what you did moves-wise. But Julian Brandt is, at least in FIFA, he is named a camp. Listen, but he could also play out on the wings. I think he could actually do a lot of strength, uh, a lot of hard work in the midfield. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a true box to box, but the guy could definitely press the game uh, from that high position. And listen, I, I, I genuinely think that Julian Brandt is going to get better statistics uh, in his FIFA ratings. But don't ever expect this guy to have the defensive uh, traits going forward. He already does have a flair trait. He's got uh, the AI tech and uh, long shot taker. So, I mean, obviously he's going to have uh, probably a lot of movement to his game. Um, he is actually one of those typical Dortmund players that has that high sprint speed, low acceleration. Uh, he's got incredible agility. I do think what's going to happen is those stats will flip-flop. They'll put the acceleration higher and the sprint speed will be just a little bit lower than the acceleration. I, I think he is fast, but I do think when I've watched him, even before he's getting on the ball, he has that good first step. And I think that they'll look at that and they'll probably be like, you know what, that's probably going to be more of a a thing you associate with an acceleration rating, even though agility, reactions, those things kind of play into it. Anyways, at the moment, 81 shot power, I, you know, and, and just – Quickly talking to Ryan about the three players, you know, he, he likes what each of them brings individually. You know, Pulisic is an out-and-out winger who could also play Cam. Um, is he better out on the wings? Yes. I think his crossing rating will get a bit of a boost. Um, he obviously has some good speed to him, but the strength is something that I know potentially is an area of concern. And like I talked about with FIFA 21 is that there's still a big mystery behind the injuries and how those are going to play out. If I'm a guy who now owns Christian Pulisic in the league, I'd be a little temperature, like I, I need a temperature check. You know, I know everything going on. It's kind of funny, but honestly, I, I would really need to see how this guy gets hurt, I know you can't really tell because that's the risk of us switching to FIFA 21. They are going to be, uh, these three players are going to be watched for Ryan as it is. But I think Christian Pulisic, you know, because of the star he's making himself out to be in real life, I don't think that in game he plays the same. I know, like I said, I, I expect his sprint speed and certain um, attacking assets to go up. I think his finishing will go up. Um, he's not a sexy passing player, but his ball control, his dribbling should go up. Um, but so, I, so I like the investment. I guess is what I'm saying. And if I'm Ryan, though, I'm not. I wouldn't be too strong on how vilified I, I I'm going to be because he's not an out and out replacement for Neymar or Hazard on that wing. He's serviceable compared to them. And I know Ryan knows that. I know anybody who listens to the podcast knows that. What, what I'm getting at, though, is that serviceable, serviceable players keep you alive in the first division. They don't keep you from holding off teams while you hoist up the title. Time so we'll see about Pulisic. 
I think Leon Goretzka was overpaid for, like I talked about in the past, but money aside, he's a machine. And whatever they're feeding those Bayern players, I mean, tell me, send it this way. I will gladly look like that any day. Um, and I fully expect Goretzka, like I've talked about in the past, to be the anchor of the team in, in the sense that he's going to be doing a lot of running and providing a lot of pressure on the, on the defensive side, but also being able to get into the box um, and really create that barrier teams will always try and play out of. But, you know, we could see Ryan going back to total football where he's really letting the team do the work and whatever happens, happens. Whoever scores the goal, scores the goals. Um, and that could be a dangerous thing for his opponents this season is allowing guys like Julian Brandt to get going forward when they could pick a pass. Um, you know, 85 vision from him, 82 composure. I expect both those stats to maybe even go up. I know positioning-wise, Brandt is a little weird, but I think that's just the Dortmund system. I think they just kind of bounce out, kind of do whatever they want uh, in the attack at times, and it's one of those things you're just kind of like, you're going to have to measure. Um, but as far as those three guys coming in, I did talk to Ryan, you know, about the and how his team has looked in friendlies. He said he likes it. So far, this is the squad that he's happy about. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to see how this team plays. You know, we're going to get a nice little preview in the VT Cup. But as I've discussed with you guys a thousand times on the podcast so far, uh, this season, I've said it, I think, a few times, is that that tournament is rarely an indication of what we're going to be getting once the regular, you know, once the league season kicks off, everything's very much different. People approach it very much differently than cups. And this cup is used as our curtain raiser, as I've always liked to point out, but it is a very important cup. You still, It is still a title that people are starting to take seriously, especially some of these newer teams. They see it as an opportunity to put their name in the spotlight. And that's exactly what Ryan, that's exactly what us on the podcast, that's what we want. And that's what we firmly believe um, is something that you have to do. You have to go out there and try and to win every single thing that you can. I've never won the VT Cup. I've gotten far in the past. I I think I got the two semis. It'll surprise you how serious it starts getting once other guys realize that, oh, oh, he's kind of playing. Oh, he's kind of taking it seriously. Oh, you you beat that guy? Oh, okay. And once we get to that phase where I think you kind of not just get to the knockout stages, but you get to maybe the the quarterfinals, I think that's when you really get the guys, whether they're trying to work on stuff or not, guys start to turn it up and it starts to be to get very serious because you start to realize if I lose to this guy, he might hang it over my head when we come to league play. I don't want that or, you know, or FA Cup play. Um you know, so there's so many different things that got other guys could hold you on the hook for. Be very interesting, but in talking to you know, and to Ryan, I you know, the guy seems very confident. He's aiming for a top ten finish. Um, you know, obviously survival is I'm pretty sure one of his goals, uh, and, and maybe into the mid table, you know, established. Uh, but that top ten finish is that mecca at the moment for him. I, I think it'll be important to watch how this team maybe develops over the course of the season. Maybe they're not going to get off to a fast start, but they could have a streak or a couple months where they are probably one of the best teams on form in the league. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about my D2 preseason rankings for the different clubs. I'll get you guys the top five uh, for my power rankings, and then I'll talk about the D1 top eight, who I think currently are the eight best teams in Division One. We'll be right back. Okay, so besides wanting to chase the tamale guy down the street as he yells tamale over and over again, and it kind of makes me hungry. It doesn't help that I just woke up and started doing the podcast. Um, hmm, decisions. Anyways, let's get back to the podcast. I guess I'll just starve for a little bit. It's worth it. I know the sacrifices I make to create this content. Ah, man, good times. Anyways. When assessing the second division as we pull in, our bus stops are getting very thin. We're getting towards the end of the line. We've almost arrived at our destination. That destination is the beginning of the season. Forget the cup. I'm not going to hold these guys accountable for what they do in a cup. 
that they're probably not even going to take seriously. But one thing we all take seriously is the transfer window. When I went to pick these five teams, it's not necessarily what they did in the window that made it happen for me. To me, that doesn't matter. But in giving five teams a power ranking, I had to believe that your team is going to be able to either A, be an automatic bid to go up and be a promoted side currently, or they had to have the wherewithal to compete for a playoff spot. Sorry, if you could hear the Tamale guy, guys, I mean, he's he's right currently by my house. For those who know where I live, you, you know where to come and get him. Um, just promoting his business. But yeah, that's my mini criteria for this. And same will go with the D1 teams. Can you compete for a title? And essentially, are you a team that is hoping to not be a pretender, but an actual contender? And we'll see how that plays out as we go throughout the season. Um, and we'll play different games as we go along on the podcast. But let's get into the top five for my power rankings for D2 and number five. And I've changed my mind on this a few teams is Al Ein. Now he obviously lost in the playoff last season. Um, and my mind's changed a bit with him making a couple deals. Um, and really, like I said, my, I had him at like the sixth spot, really kind of like the waning spot. Like he's going to fight for the fifth spot or the fourth spot throughout the season. So when a guy makes a move like that and spends money and goes and get not only Gwen Doozy, but now goes and gets Zagadu and gives up, uh, I think it was Van Bursen and $23 million. Really, I think not only did Gaidon fill a need at center back that he needed because company retired officially, but when you get talent like that, talent that is secure and that is going to be successful, I think you have to be happy when a D2 team makes the right move and maybe this is his better chance. I, I don't know if this team's complete yet, but defensively, where I feel like they really needed to shore things up, they've gotten better. And that's exactly what this team needs to do if they want to continue to be a successful team in this league, let alone D2. They're going to have to keep building a roster towards their plan. And, and, and I talked to Guy Dan. Uh, he didn't know I was kind of evaluating his squad but he did tell me he had a deal in the works. He didn't tell me he was going to get Zagadu, but he did tell me he had a deal in the works to really help his defensive team. Uh, the, you know, the defensive mindset that he's going to try and be more balanced for. And this is a good move. I, I'm happy about it. And that's why I think he's the fifth best team currently. Obviously, he has the experience now as well. And I think that that's something that will definitely play into what he's going to need to do if he wants to be a successful team next season. At number four, and I've gone back and forth, but because they've been so quiet, yeah, right, just kidding, uh, because they've been so quiet, though, over the course of this window, Club Leon really have gone under the radar, but if we're just going off last season, um, the defensive statistics on how much better they got in comparison to how much better they got offensively, you would almost say this team is trending towards being the secure fourth best team in the division. Now, things can change. Guys will get hurt throughout the season. And based off who you run into in your first two months, could really affect how you're doing. The thing is, though, this team doesn't need supreme talent. They do need some better athletes. But I still think that the system in which they are currently using to win, uh, to win matches and to get points essentially every game really sets the squad up to have a potentially automatic ch uh, chance to win an automatic spot. And I think gives them a chance where also people will be looking at them to at least make the top five. And I'm going to start my season with them in the four spot. We'll see if they can hold up and stay in the top five. But I do have a lot of faith in this, cl in, in this squad. I, I think it's surprisingly deep with just the amount of the way he's going to use everyone. I know it sucks that really a few of his speedsters aren't going to gain any growth in the fact of overall rating, barring some miracle. But I, but, but I do like the fact that 
Um, this squad does have a future, and I and I believe that currently at the moment, I think they're one of the other teams that will seriously compete for a playoff spot. Let's get on to number three because it's really not someone that we're surprised to see. I think Josh of PSG and the rest of his constituents would say that this team should be going right back to D1, and that's essentially where I have him going. An automatic spot, and I think he can shoot for the title, but right now the way the team is and, and the way he's, you know, I've talked about how he's going to set up with Thurman and, and Bailly kind of going as the top two, one in behind the other. If the system does work, I'm almost willing to say that Josh will be a favorite for the title. You know, and the cup won't be enough. I think you're, we're going to have to wait at least a month in. We're going to have to see six matches, six to eight matches. FA Cup as well, we're going to weigh those, weigh that form. I, I, don't, I don't think that you can ignore that he's going to have something to prove in that formation, one. But two, he's going to have to also show everyone that he may have to change that formation every now and then. He might have to be flexible, and we'll see how this team reacts to having to be flexible. I mean, the team hasn't changed that dramatically from last season to how you know, to what they have now. I know he doesn't have Nabry on his team, but this is a pretty good asset. And, and Bailly, that can really be a guy who can change a game all by himself. I like the midfield. I, I do, I really do. And I really do expect this PS, PSG team to, you know, put put it on the, put it on, uh, leave it all on the field and really not rely on, you know, and the last time I picked him to do something good in D2, and really on paper they were fantastic, but kind of not let that play into how they play their season, but really just stay focused and, and focus on the task at hand and really make sure they lock up a top three spot because D2 now is very competitive. And putting you in my top five, I think we'll put a target on your back temporarily, but I think most teams will be very happy that they have it. And this is one of those teams that knows they deserve to be in a top five position in the auto X spots. Currently, though, is where I have Josh and his squad. On to number two, because it's not been easy trying to figure out who um, wants to really push it this season, who's going to be able to go for it. But as far as the best teams go in the division at the moment, listen, I, I do genuinely think, and I'll come out with my final picks for the season at some point, along with a few other people that work for the podcast, I will get their input. I, uh, man, picking a new team is kind of hard for me. Not because they're not going to be able to build that talent in time, but I just believe what they can do versus what is expected of them are totally different things. Can't Corey be very good? Sure, of course. I mean, he's the guys he plays against, uh, Night in, night out, I'm pretty sure they're some of the better players in our league. O'Brien is a team that is going to use the system to really be strong. That could work. But I really like Torino to take this number two spot. And it's not because I don't believe in what he's doing, right? It's not, it's not that. I think that... The system and whatever pragmatication you're running can really be outdone by just raw end and talent. And this team has that talent. And the reason I'm not going to put Torino at one just yet is because I have to see that talent do something in the second division. And maybe even make a mini run in the FA Cup because this team has to, at some point, put their best foot forward. And they have to be able to do it and be dominant and take control of the division. This is their division. Everyone should just be their witness this season. But we both we all know that's not going to happen. It's it's not going to happen. The, these guys are going to have to earn every single point to prove their worth that they deserve to go back to D1. And I know you guys are like, "Whoa, so who's number 1 because the talent roster is amazing." I'll get to that in a bit, but as far as Torino go, they have literally the most one of the most complete teams in the division, if not the best team in the division on paper. I mean, not just having Mbappe helps, but having um, Leroy Sané now coming back off loan, that is, that's scary. Just those two alone, def defenses are really 
not equipped down in the second division to deal with those guys, not to mention Trent's going to be right there as well. Um, and don't forget about Odegaard. I mean, th- this guy is, you know, I mean, he's, if this kid in real life is playing with an injury and outplaying people, that's a scary thought when he goes back to Real Madrid and he's the focal point feeding passes. I'd say he's a good mix of a young Modric, young Ozil, the way, and, but he could run like Kai Havertz. It's ridiculous what this kid is going to become. We'll see. I mean, he's got all the potential in the world to become a really good player. And when, uh, and, and, Really, I think that's the X-Factor player. Take Mbappe out of it. I know we all want more from Mbappe. We know he's moving to striker this season. So we'll see more goals out of him. But the guy that's going to have to get him the ball, the people behind Mbappe are going to have to be just as important. And I think where Torino still have to prove some doubters wrong is those two areas. Can the team facilitate Mbappe and Sade at an appropriate level game in, game out? We haven't seen that yet. But I think where we can trust this Torino team is that the talent will eventually become one of their best assets, and that's why I have them at number two. As for number one, as for number one, and it makes me, it's going to make people hate me, but I think Bayern Munich are the number one team. I know the young and old mix in the midfield. Obviously, my old player, Munayin. Um, you know, there's Dolberg that is on the club. I uh, Obviously, I stole Tammy Abraham away from, from him. But getting Nabry, I think just the way that Luis has played in the past, and I talked to him, I, I, I think that the way that if Nabry can integrate himself nicely in this team before really the season gets going, right? If they can get a little bit of momentum in the cup, maybe not make the deepest run, but play good, you know, and just get the system down, get what what he's trying to do, get it down. Once that becomes reality, I think that this team is the best team based off just the way Luis plays. He can match up with PSG already as it is. And he didn't really lose anybody. You know, Boadu is going to be a good goal scorer in the next two, three years. But he'll still only be 19, 20 years old. So he will not be fully developed. But getting a guy like Nabry, who's on top of the world, really is going to make, I think, all the all the wonders that this Bayern team needs. And the fact of the matter is you're going to get a guy who's about to be an 87-something overall. That's scary. That's dangerous for the rest of the division. And because of the flux of talent, you know, if you're Luis, you can care less because you have talent that matches up to that. But as for everyone else, be careful. This team can surprise you. The midfield plays defense. They they have some aging players, but they have some useful players at the same time. I like Luis's mix. I'll get more into it. Of course, as we go into, you know, as we do the preseason, um, as we do the preview uh, before the league starts, I'm excited I am super excited for what these five teams have in store and for the teams who are on the list. Maybe your transfers can help you get past it, but that's for now. That's my top five with Alline. um, You know, like I talked about, their team that's going to be around here, Club Leon at number four. Three was PSG, two Torino, and number one at the moment in my power rankings is Bayern Munich. We'll be back with the D1 power rankings and then we'll come and finish the show. All right, and to finish up the podcast, um, we'll now get to the D1 guys. I let's let's. I wrote it on my notebook, so I'll get to that. Um, obviously, these are going to change, but because of the window, and I talked about it with D2, I really liked what these eight teams are doing. I think a few of them are very obvious, but I think number eight, where we start, will surprise you very much. At number eight, I have BSE. Young boys, I think the window that they've had, and not to mention Alfonso Davies already, Golovin on this team, guys who make things happen, and the fact that they were able to finish 11th last season, now add Jao Cancelo, who could play at either fullback position. I think he even has some ability to play at center back, not that I would play him there. He could also play higher up as kind of like a defensive winger. The guy can take shots with both feet. He can cross. He is going to be lethal on his own. 
but Robert Lewandowski at 65 million joins the club. This is exactly how you bounce into a top eight ranking. I don't think that other teams that I left off this list have done the same type of moves. Um, you know, ha- haven't matched this move or moves that Ronnie has made. I think that he just put himself in a different category, potentially, right? And getting into the top eight is exactly where teams want to be. I mean, the money's better. The seeding is better. You'll get easier opponents. Therefore, it helps you make more money in the FA Cup. Those are things that are important. And I and I think essentially what what this team's goals are now is to get into that second ranking or second tier, which would be at the cusp would be a top eight finish. And I think that's where Ronnie and his squad are going to look towards next. And I think that's where he'll be uh, come season time. I think he'll be competing for that eight spot. I think it's very possible right now in my power rankings. That's where I have him. at seven. I have Spurs six. I have Wolves Barca five Augsburg four Leon three America two. And of course, the undefeated champions at number one, but we'll go back to Spurs at seven. Uh, I do think this team's going to make a jump. I, I know that people are going to probably be like, well, they haven't really done anything crazy. Bale's gone. Burvine's there instead now. Even if he doesn't sell Bale in that loan to buy, we I, I, I almost have 100% confirmation from Aaron that he's going to buy Ver, Burvine. Just straight up, he's going to buy him. Burvine is a talent that is going to come in and out of form constantly because not only is he a winger in Jose Mourinho's system, but with the Dutch, he's kind of behind some really good players. So even though I think he'll play with the national team, his real-life form will take a hit when you play with the club, uh, especially with a club that likes to play so defensive. Um, luckily for him, Burvine can play on either wing. You know, Sohn might be relied upon to kind of play backup for Harry Kane since Spurs didn't buy anybody. So Burvine will probably get on the field and we'll see that rating kind of jump up. Harry Kane, In the FIFA League, though, Harry Kane, this is another Tottenham player joining, Harry Kane will love Burvine. Aaron will love the, the fact that Burvine will open up the game. Uh, and if you have players like Christian Eriksen, Adrian Rabio, who could really pick a pass from the midfield, you're going to be happy that this guy's joining. Even Bernardo Silva on the right wing, he is going to be very thankful that a guy like this is joining. I think personally, this team not only has improved overall, uh, just because I, I like the way their center backs are, I like their fullbacks, um, even though... I know talking to Aaron earlier in the window, you know, before it started, excuse me, in August, you know, he was already telling me he wanted to sell uh, Kyle Walker. And I I think it's more so for the money, not necessarily the talent, um, even though that is deteriorating. But, you know, obviously I have some belief in the system. uh, And and I genuinely think that, um, you know, maybe just maybe he can creep up higher. But right now, a seventh place in my power rankings, I think is pretty nice. Um, let's go on to number six where I have Wolves and yes, Sergio Aguero joins fellow old man, Luis Suarez, which will be a two headed monster, not to mention Adama Traore coming at them with Di Maria. Uh, I really like this Wolves team, uh, overall uh, on paper, but they have to put it on the field. And that's where I've been most disappointed with this team because they still somehow finished sixth last season. The, The defensive play got a lot better. But I'm going to need more. I, I need more. I want to see them dominating games, not just with possession, but winning corners, winning tackles. And at times they did that last season. But there were also games where they were absolutely dominated back. Like, I mean, completely dominated. We know that Andrew will compete with fellow guys in the top eight, like, and play some good defensive games. But there were times where he really slipped and it really hurt his chances of making the top four, which was a goal of his. And. That's why I can't put them higher. I just don't trust this team at the moment. I don't. I have to see them do more, but they do earn my respect, and that's why they sit sixth in my power rankings. I still think they're a good team. They still have um, volatile things they need to get past, though, and until they do that, I don't think they'll be a top-four team, but they'll be just right outside. As for a team that finished in the top-four last season, I do have Barcelona at five. Listen, I love Dybala. I love Kai Havertz, and I think those two are dangerous on their own. I do like some of the other moves that Barca have done, but 
I'm not fully convinced this team is going to be able to have a repeat performance in the new FIFA. And it's not because the new FIFA will not only play differently, it's that you can't hope that pace and long shots are going to save you. This new FIFA is going to take those things away from you, not at will, but they will minimally take those things away from you, especially the long shots. Goalkeepers are supposed to be a little bit better at reading the direction of the shots, um, especially from outside the 18-yard box. But also, if crossing becomes a thing again with the manual heading, at some point, I think teams will start to realize, like, hey, go ahead, cross the ball, especially if they know a team like this doesn't have guys who can use their head very well and they're just really athletic attacking players. I think teams will opt for, go ahead, try and win a manual header with a guy who has 60 heading accuracy. Go ahead. And they might just sit in for the crosses. And teams might sit deep, and I think that's where Barcelona will have their biggest issues tactically. Do I think he finishes fifth? No, at the moment, this is just where my power rankings, if there is a move or two that Barca still have left in them, I think that they can change my mind. But for right now, I think they'll finish outside the top four, just based off that. As for my top four, Augsburg have did a nice thing by bringing in Fabinho. I talked about it earlier in the show. And in talking to Ramon, he thinks there's still more to come, possibly. But if not, he's satisfied with this window. And if that's the case, if, if that's all he's going to do, I'm a little worried. Uh, I need to see guys who are going to be able to really do something else besides defend. And he has guys that can really just only attack. The balance may be there, I think, throughout the course of the season where he's still deservingly a top four team. But if we're going to be critical on why he doesn't win a championship this season, that's why. I think that that's where he'll hit hit a roadblock. I think it'll be important that he establishes at least maybe someone comes in there and makes some type of impact at some point. But we'll see. Because I'm going to be patient with a guy like Ramon, knowing that he has done it in the past to find a way to win games. Uh, the guy changes his style almost every few seasons with something new. There's always something creative he'll come up with. We'll see if one of these seasons is it. Into the top three, Obviously, you haven't heard Leon's name, and they are at the three spot. To me, they're still not good enough to crack into the top two, but they are going to be the best of the rest. And I think Messi will be more improved this season with whatever Santi runs. He got rid of Costa, so now he's going to have to really put pieces together in the center of midfield. I hear he's out looking for center mids in the league. I heard he made a bid towards Thiago from a source. Um, I know a couple of guys in the league that have also kind of leaked to me that he's interested in some of their central midfielders. So, and the rumor is that he bid around 50 million. I don't know how true that is. Maybe he went, he, he wanted to pay more, maybe he wanted to pay less or he can go to the market. So we'll see what he does. I mean, there's some good players still out in the market. Very interesting to see how Santi approaches that. Um, because I do believe it'll affect how he plays throughout the season. If he can bring in maybe one or two mids that can really help his squad, maybe, just maybe, he's the third team that competes in this title race. If not, though, I still think he'll be better than everybody uh, everybody else besides those top two. And good luck to, you know, good luck trying to prove that. I do believe, though, at the moment, I'm not going to count out Messi. I'm not going to count out Mane because I think he'll have a better season than last and the attackers that are coming off that bench are absolutely terrifying. They'll make their impact. I can't wait to watch that. And of course, my top two, I think, is almost stationary at this point. There's no dynamism to it. And, and why would there be? You know what I mean? Why Why would there be? America, to me, still has a point to prove, even though they've they've gotten over the hump in the sense of winning the FA Cup, winning the VT Cup. And then Chris came and really just reestablished himself. We're not at a point with these two teams where it's 1A, 1B, because Chris went undefeated. Serge did not. Chris won the title. Serge did not. Chris also went and won the FA Cup. Titles really do separate these two clubs, though. I, I, I genuinely think that. I think Serge is going to have to really come out shooting strong. And I think the same, ironically, 
plays out for Chris because even though it's a new FIFA, I think people have new mentalities going against some of these top sides. It's not just survival anymore. Teams not only will go for it, depending on where they are in the standings or where they feel like they sit with these two squads, but they're playing tactically different. And where a team like a medic on them have to really readjust, the new FIFA is going to slow the game down. And that could really hurt a team that really likes to play those afflicting passes through the midfield like Surge and just get the ball into the final third and really start to do some step overs, some you know, some five-star skills. There's no more Memphis to pay. It's now Neymar, and that is the great equalizer to the game slowing down. Even if teams are sitting eight, ten guys behind the ball, Neymar Jr. could break the line. Not to mention you still have Lataro Martinez now joining. <laughs> and there's still some really good talent across the board with Rashford as well. So I think that they have more than enough decadence to still be a top two team. Whether they compete for a title is all how they compare up to my number one team in the power rankings, which is Chelsea. And I think vice versa. I think they're going to be a very good yin-yang for each other. I think these two teams will do things to each other. I think no one else can. I think they could easily beat each other on any given day. I think that Verratti, not, you know, obviously he came on loan. I think he will affect Chelsea. This team has tons of attacking attitude. There's no doubt in my mind. But I think the midfield is a little weak. I think the defensive play hasn't been really attacked the same way because the way their team goes forward that you're so overwhelmed that you don't really have a chance to really try and best this back line which really isn't that special and I, I talked to Chris about that in the past and to Serge about his team as well they are not satisfied with their squads yet even though they're so talented um, but I really like to see this battle I do think Chelsea though is still my number one team, and it's 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 not close at the moment. I'm not trying to be mean towards Serge. I think he can understand and be respectful and understand that he is close to being in that number one spot. But I'm going to need to see more, and I'm going to probably need to see him hoist that VT Cup to even, and he'd have to do it pretty impressively um, to even put him in the number one spot. You know what I mean? So there, there's, to me, there's so much that's going to go into this, and in a couple... Uh, you know, and next month when we have this discussion in the power rankings, I I fully expect to see them change w within the top eight. But in the top two, these are two Goliaths. We'll see who the Davids are, if there can be any in the top eight. Um, before I end the podcast, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Hypotheticals and transfer dilly-dally is kind of all we have at the moment. So as we get towards the season beginning i'll obviously get you guys ready for that with the league preview the vt cup um doesn't have any seating so we'll see how that plays out appropriately we do hope that there is the person with uh you know with man of the match hopefully becoming a stat hopefully we'll get respectable rewards for those things becoming a stat i know that's gonna scare the league from really wanting to give out more money, but I don't think you have to give up that much. I think you can honestly give out maybe a quarter of a million, you know, 250,000. Your guy had the most man of the match awards. I think would actually be pretty smart. I think it'd be pretty cool. And you're going to get a lot of different guys making impacts on teams, especially with the new FIFA, no telling how they're going to give out their ratings as the game plays. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, if that's something that hasn't been brought up before, I just want to say man of the match, uh, you know, not on the podcast, but in that group. Uh, but I, I think man of the match has to be a stat, man. I, I don't think we can afford to keep devaluing the defenders and not just defensive minded midfielders, but guys who are really linking the play. And that goes for strikers as well. Even goalkeepers, you know, we want to put other guys in the lights Besides the same old guys like the goal scorers and the guys with the most assists. Um, you know, so that would be nice. Um, that would be really, really, really nice. I, I know we can get to a point eventually where saves are a thing, but I think that's something you just look up on your own. Uh, but anyways, I just want to thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Um, 
I will possibly try and get Luis on next week as we still have some more transfers that I believe will go down. I'll see if he's going to be available. But if not, look for us on Thursdays and on Fridays now is when I'm going to try and drop the episode, maybe even some Wednesdays. Um, But that'll be something I hope you guys look forward to. I hope you guys not only enjoyed this week's episode, but the third season so far. Um. But yeah, I, I mean, if you guys have any questions, comments, you guys can follow us at San Pedro FIFA League and send us a message on there. We are pretty, I'm getting pretty interactive with it. Um, I'm going to try and be on there at least once a day and just kind of have a conversation going there. Um, I know we're getting towards American football season, so it's going to kind of be in the lights, but very quickly, if you didn't check out the PFA uh, team of the season, you know, my boy Aubameyang is on there. Um, you know, I, I really like that Vardy's there. Mane, I can't, I can't disagree with that, that front three at all. Um, because mostly because I think guys like Salah and, um, Aguero just weren't the same level that they normally are. Plus Aubameyang's the best striker in the league at the moment. Currently, I know Vardy's good, but Aubameyang does so many different things, um, where I think he separates himself. Do I think they're both good? Yes. The midfield, I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I don't. There's not even an argument there. I mean, I mean, yeah, people have their opinions on Henderson, but you know, and he shouldn't have won Player of the Season by the sports writers, but they never ever vote um, for the guy who probably deserves it majority of the time. So it is what it is. The defense, not going to hate that either with Van Dyke and and Cionci as the center backs. That's solid. And then Pope. Pope's the best goalkeeper in England at the moment. I know he doesn't play for a sexy, fast, and exhilarating team, but he is the best goalkeeper, and he proves it. I think game in, game out, he is scary good. And uh, the fact that he's just barely in his 30s, I think he'll have a couple more seasons like this. And hopefully people pay attention to him. If you haven't checked it out, go to the Premier League's page on Instagram. That is not sponsored, uh, but just go and check it out, man, and see what you guys think. Um, but anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed our preseason power rankings, our very first ones for the season. Um, and I hope you guys, uh, really enjoyed this episode. I'm George Tello, and this has been another week of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast until next week, guys. Goodbye.